You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. We ask a Y-in or a tight end to open up somewhere between 6 feet and 9 feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. He's going to tackle, to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the Y-in has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the Y-in has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us Packers total access at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay here to talk a little Green Bay Packers offseason. Uh, got a bunch of stuff to get to really. There was a, a press conference earlier today with Matt LaFleur. He uh, shined some light on the Andres Carlson comment. I like to see a little fire in the coach. And then he uh, made a brief comment on the assistant coaches, uh, more specifically Joe Barry. And uh, he also talked a little bit about Jair Alexander's suspension and how he handled that. Uh, we heard from John Runyon, which was a very emotional John Runyon. We'll kind of touch on that a bit, too. But Tim, how are you doing this evening, buddy? Doing good, man. Just taking it all in. Um, got a lot to cover and uh, happy to be here, man. How was your day? Oh, it was great, dude. I'm, I'm ready to talk ball. I've been sitting here grinding away, putting the draft board together, uh, getting the early stages, uh, the first of five steps. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, it's, there's some intriguing prospects. I'll just say that, man, this, this draft is going to be a lot of fun to go through this year for sure. Um, Tim, if you'll kind of keep an eye on the chat for me, as we go, if you see something that, Hey, look, we'd like to hit that, um, just mark it for me. Cause we're going to be going through a ton of information and we'll, we're going to try our best to finish on time. How about that? All right. Let's All see right. if we can do that. But I do want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. We got Robert Allen here, Paul Robertson, Zane Strong, Mike Berry, um, United Bates in the house. What's up, Mike? Greg Rice, let Mr. Larry in here. We got Chris in the house. We got Chewy. We got everybody up in here. Eric Sutherland just swung through. I'm sure he'll say something inappropriate in due time. So uh, there you go. And uh, yeah, Red Mo too. What's up, Red Mo? Good to see you, man. Eric Sutherland right off the bat says, Clayton, you mocking wide receiver in round one through three? Absolutely. I'm actually trading up. I'm trading next year's first, second, and third up so we can get extra picks this year to take six wide receivers. That's the goal. So you know what I mean? We gotta gotta fill that void. How cool is it, man? This wide receiver room is so cheap. It just blows my mind. Like we pretty much our wide receiver room is set. And right. I think it's like the what the the third or fourth cheapest wide receiver room in the entire league. That's just insane to me, man. Uh yeah, Eric says 
LOL. Perfect. That, that's, I tell you what, you, you scroll through Twitter, that's probably what people were asking for. Look at Donald in the chat. Donald says, inside linebacker, safety, cornerback, running back two, and let's run it back. I like it, man. Um, you know, it's funny you said it about inside linebacker because we're going to talk about Devondre Campbell a little bit today, or tonight, I should say. Um, we all know safety's a need. You know, we got one safety returning as of right now. And then cornerback, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're completely set in the cornerback room either, although um, kind of digging through some of the information on SIS, Corey Ballantyne has kind of piqued my interest a little bit, Tim. I meant to pull this up, too. I'm going to take a quick glance at it. I wanted to see what his status was. I think it was unrestricted, wasn't it? Let me drop that comment down real quick. So uh, let's see. Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's our boy at? He ain't even on here, right? No. Oh, wait a minute, Tim. Is he under contract? Is Corey he's Ballantyne not. under contract? He's under contract. Is he a first? I thought he was on there. No, no. he's not on there. What? We got to get confirmation on that. If he's under contract, that that's kind of exciting. So uh, yeah. anything. Uh, hit me with a comment here. Tim, say something while I look that up. We're already off cuff. This is how we go over. Well, we can say a lot about uh, Carrington, uh, or excuse me, Corey uh, Valentine. Well, we can say a lot about Carrington Valentine too. Uh, Val, right. Val, as we so call him in my house. But um, no, you know, I think um, Valentine has been. Um, you know, corner is one of those positions where sometimes when you don't don't hear the name called, it's a good thing. You know, like if if you're not hearing a name and number out there, that means you're playing fundamentally sound you're you're doing what you're supposed to do no penalties and uh maybe the maybe they're just not throwing your way because of how you're playing um I think he had a really good first year in Green Bay and um you know I'm not saying he's gonna solidify a starting job or anything like that but in a pinch when you need him to he's certainly capable of starting football games for you and uh you know I'm I'm happy to have him in Green Bay and I hope I hope he is here for uh at least a short term um, as we try and build this secondary around Jair, you know, it's strange, man. I'm I'm looking at it right here, and it's showing he's an unrestricted free agent. So I'm not sure why he didn't make that list. I mean, the only notes too that they have is yes, yeah, it's free agent 2024. So he is an unrestricted free agent. Now, I don't think people are going to be like ringing his phone off a hook. I think the Packers would have a, legit, a legitimate shot of re-signing him, but um, just kind of put things into perspective, you know, in that regard. I thought he played pretty well, but we'll get to it. Let's start off. Uh, Let's see, where do we want to start? I had order of importance here, Tim. We're going to be organized tonight. So <laughs> the Packers released this off the transaction wire. The Green Bay yeah. Packers signed several players from their practice squad, okay? So they kind of, uh, you know, claimed rights to their contracts so no one else can go out and sign them in free agency here as soon as the uh, season wraps up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Green Bay Packers signed linebacker Keyshawn Banks, uh, safety Tyler Coyle, Wide receiver Grant Dubose, defensive lineman Jonathan Ford, cornerback Zion Gilbert, um, cornerback Anthony Johnson, quarterback Alex Magoo. I like Magoo. how they specify there. Magoo. USFL MVP. Right. Running back Ellis Merriweather, uh, linebacker Aaron Mosby, um, linebacker Kenneth, say it for me, Tim. Odomegwu. Odomegwu, you crushed it, man. Odomeg Wu. All right. Fullback Henry Pearson, wide receiver Thyric Pitts, uh, tackle Kadeem Telfort, and tight end Joel Wilson. Now, there's two names that kind of grab my attention on this list, Tim, that I think, okay, they could be possibly 
competing for a legit roster spot. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to build the basement right, right now, guys. You're trying to build the floor of your roster. That's that's why you're looking to sign these guys. And they're already familiar with your facility. They're already familiar with your playbook because they've been running some of the scout team and all that type of stuff. Uh, obviously, you've seen something in them, you being the front office and the coaching staff. But Henry Pearson at fullback, seeing that Josiah DeGuara is set to be a free agent, and defensive lineman Jonathan Ford are the two that I think, you know what, you, you can't – you can't teach size, right? And that's what Jonathan Ford has. He's a hoss of a man. And Henry Pearson, I felt like, kind of held his own when he did fill in. If you're going to stick to a little bit of 21 personnel um, and you're losing DeGuara, who kind of filled that quote-unquote fullback row or H-back row, uh, that'll probably be the guy to do it. But what do you think about the, those moves right there, Tim? Anything stick out to you? Well, first of all, I like I like these signings. Um, there's a lot of guys, a lot of names on here that we're familiar with. But, you know, yeah, I really think uh, – Henry Pearson does, uh, you know, provide potential value for us going forward, especially if we're going to be down a tight end or two, um, like you said, echoing your point. But, um, you know, Keyshawn Banks, I guess, at linebacker is uh, is a name that uh, kind of sticks out to me a little bit as someone who could contribute. But, I mean, we're we're talking about, you know, fighting for a full-fledged starting role, and I don't know if he's there quite yet. And then um, I guess someone else of note is uh, Grant DeBose, uh, a wide out you know, in an already deep wide receiver room, it's uh, going to be tough for him to get a starting role on this team, which is a good problem to have. But um, it's nice to see that they've retained these guys right away, you know, uh, basically signing the, uh, you know, just about the whole practice squad back to a contract. And, um, you know, I like Alex Magoo too. You know, I, I'm a big fan of our quarterback room right now as it stands and uh, hope it stays that way for the future. Yeah, definitely. All right, good stuff. Well, Coach LaFleur met with the media today and uh, talked a little bit about the assistants, so let's just dive right into that. It's a real quick clip. He was asked – I wanted to zoom in on Coach LaFleur's face because you can see him grinning as they're asking the question. He's just like – like it, you could just tell he – it's the look in his eye almost – it, it, it almost screams, boy, they're going to be disappointed when they find out he's back. But this is him talking about the assistant coaches and was specifically asked about Joe Barry, I believe. Here we go. You had said at that point you anticipated all your assistants being back for this year. What's your thought process now if you made that decision? As I said, uh, just I haven't even thought about that at this, at this stage. Uh, kind of going through everything right now. I want to certainly sit down with every assistant before any decisions are made. You mean we don't just fire people? We don't just fire people without talking to them? Watch, watch his face. It's not a question about Joe Barry. <laughs> he started to grin. He grinned. Just going to go through the process and, uh, you know, at, at my own pace. I love it. Yeah, I do too. I love man. it. At my own pace. Take it I mean, easy. Take it easy over there. Just let me do what I got to do, okay? And, and listen, you, for those who are tuning in maybe for the first time, first of all, I'm sorry you found this joke of a show, but here we are. Welcome, <laughs> right? um, but it, where we kind of stand on the Joe Barry thing, I've been very, very, very vocal this year in – I wouldn't say defending Joe Barry, but just simply pointing out, here's what's going on with the defense. Here's what's happening on Sundays. Here's what's happening on the tape. You see him blown coverages, missed assignments, missed tackles, all that stuff. And I didn't have a problem with Joe Barry's play calling. 
Um, I didn't have a problem with the pre-snap alignments because most of the time, if someone was playing too soft, it's because they chose to line up that far off the line. Um, won't get into all the details, but my stance is I think we could do better at D.C., and I think that's probably the route we need to go is to find a better defensive coordinator. Now, would I be surprised if Joe Barry's back? Absolutely not, I wouldn't. As a matter of fact, I'm starting to lean towards, I think Matt LaFleur is going to have him back. That's what it kind of feels like. Now, I don't want to put words into your mouth, Tim. Kind of what's your stance on the whole Joe Barry front? Um, I, I believe I said it on Good Morning Lambeau. Um, I think we should retain him for another year, and I'm willing to die alone on that hill. Um, I'm not going to do predictions of what I think is going to happen, but you know, with a year left on your contract, um, you know, a surge late in the season, the improvements that we have seen, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, sometimes if you're unsure and, and you and you're not sure what you want to do, you know, the best action is no action, and you stay the course and you let this guy come back one more year, you know, finish what he started building, you know, we yeah, this year was a little disappointing, you know, on some levels, but on more levels, it was a great season for this young team. And, uh, you know, I think he's installed the system and I think we're just now starting to see the communication with our defenders improve. And the guys are slowly embracing these concepts in this system. And as we've seen, when the players are out there executing, Barry uh, schemes things up pretty well um, in a pinch. So, you know, I think with a young squad and a bright future, you know, maybe changing coordinators isn't isn't the best move now. Maybe Lafleur is thinking, yeah, bring them back for another year. You know, I always tell people, you know, you might agree with this, Clayton. You know, you're a business owner. You know, get better at hiring. You know, the answer can't always be firing. You know, and um, Matt Lafleur has uh, rode through hell and back with Joe Barry, and I think he's willing to stay the course and uh, finish this out. And uh, hopefully, it ends with bringing Lombardi home. You know, but. Um, you can't always just, you know, hit the eject button and start over and think that you're going to improve. You could regress. You could bring another guy in here and regress. Yeah, so, you know, maybe maybe just stay in the course with Joe Barry ends up being the move. And, and you know, I wouldn't be shocked either way. If he's let go, that wouldn't surprise me, given the the whole, you know, narrative and every everything hot seat, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, also would not shock me at all if he stayed. It really wouldn't. So I'm with you on that one, Clayton. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Stephen Weir says the age-old argument. How many first-round picks are on defense and we're just now seeing it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you know, my my whole stance on that is just because someone's a first-round pick doesn't mean they're great. I mean, you know, first-round picks that are busts every year, right? Yep. Uh, Jair showed flashes, right? And, um, he had a few really good years. Um, as we'll point out a little later in the show, and we'll talk about Jair, he had the third uh, the third highest passer rating when targeted on the entire team. So Corey Ballantyne and seventh-round pick Carrington Ballantyne actually had a lower passer rating when targeted than Jair Alexander did. You understand? That's a stat that you can't fake. That's yep. a stat that you can't say, oh, well, he's playing better. Like, agreed, according to PFF, he played better. But that's why we don't just put all our stock in PFF. We're going to continue to look at other metrics and things like that to try to get the whole story. And the, and the fact of the matter is, I think he finished 91st in the entire National Football League passer rating when targeted. Mm -hmm. So it's important to put those things into perspective as you're, as you're kind of talking about this stuff. Now, as far as the first-round picks, that's one of those first-round picks. You know, you got someone else here in the chat said uh, – 
Let me find it here real quick. They said something about Savage just a second ago. This is a very, very good point. Uh, Antonio Universe, also known as Antonio. What's up, buddy? He said, Savage wasn't very impressive. He really got beat against Kendall in man-to-man. The pack will have the opportunity to get a top-notch safety. Now, I want to key in on, he really got beat against Kittle in man-to-man. Okay? So let's go back to the first-round pick comment. Darnell Savage was one of those first-round picks, right, that, that we keep touting on, on defense. Man-to-man is not something where, oh, man, the defensive coordinator, they really screwed that call up. You're either in man-to-man or you're not. If you're in man-to-man, the job is you cover this cat. <laughs> like there's nothing the defensive coordinator can do for you in that situation. So that's another one of those first-round picks. So Jair Alexander, 90-whatever, 91st in passer rating when targeted. Darnell Savage getting absolutely cooked by George Kittle, but George Kittle is this year statistically the best tight end in the National Football League, so you've got to take that into perspective too. I think we would agree Darnell Savage played a little bit better down the stretch. But, Jake, you have your hand up, big dog. No, my freaking cat jumped on the back of me and nearly scared (laughs) the cat's back. The cat is back. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. Matt Schnob, and you guys, if you listened to the show yesterday, I I put a little teaser out there. I said I was listening to Aaron Nagler talk with uh, Andy Herman, and they had kind of briefly mentioned that they had – I think Nag said he had heard a rumor that Joe Barry actually is still under contract and we don't really know that his contract expired or not. So I think that probably triggered a couple people to go sniffing around, and Matt Schnobbin said on his show just a second ago, and then he sent this tweet out earlier today, he said, quick housekeeping note, Joe Barry's contract is not expiring, according to a source. Matt LaFleur has yet to make a decision on the future of his defensive coordinator, but it would be a firing and not a decline to renew if he moves on from Joe Barry. So immediately the Twitter heads – and the conspiracy theorists you've always got to let it play long enough to see Bill Belichick bear <laughs> you got to that's the rule with that video um so they immediately went to did they give him a contract extension behind the scenes and not tell anybody and the reason being is because every other DC who's come here recently they've gotten three year deals well obviously this was the third year of his deal so what happened there um and go back to the presser where Matt's grinning as they're asking him the question. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I think Matt LaFleur is going to smack everybody upside the head with the Joe Barry's coming back. But, again, if you told me, now nah, they're bringing in Wink Martindale, I would go, yes, as long as he's on the same page with Matt and he don't buck like he did with the Ravens and the Giants. Or if you're saying <laughs> they're bringing in Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, I'm not that sold on. You I sure just about that? <laughs> you know, with Mike Vrabel, People are like, oh, he's a great coach. He won coach of the year as a head coach his first year in the league. Look at what his defenses have done since then. And immediately the argument shifts to, well, he wasn't the D.C. Okay, let's go back to when he was D.C. in Houston. He had the 32nd ranked defense in the entire National Football League. Well, that was a horrible team. How many wells and butts are we going to add in for one guy, right? And you guys, if you haven't heard, the Titans just hired the Bengals OC is their new head coach. So they see him more valuable than Mike Vrabel, but for what it's worth. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit there with Joe Barry's contract. And I thought it would get people 
you know, just thinking a little bit, right? Like, okay, what exactly is going on there? I wouldn't be surprised if they brought someone else in and they kept Joe Barry on staff as an assistant of some sort too. You know, that could be the case. Uh, I'm with you, Tim. I don't think he's done a horrible job. People, When people ask me what has he done to warrant him keeping his job, I just I pull up stuff like this. When you go yearly, right, when we look at the yearly numbers here, this is on defense, just basic metrics, okay? Points against this year, 20.6 points a game is what he gave up. I think that was 12th best in the league. Last year it was 21.8. So you gave up 1.2 points less per game. Total yards, you gave up one yard less, essentially. Passing yards, you dipped a little bit. You went from 197.1 to 206.8. Not a crazy dip, but a dip nonetheless. Rushing yards, last year you were giving up 139.5 yards rushing. This year you only gave up 128.3 yards per attempt, just just the offensive plays altogether. 6.5 yards last year. This year it dipped to 6.2. Last year's yards per carry, you know, against the run. You gave up five yards a carry. This year you gave up 4.4, so you got six-tenths of a yard better per uh, per carry in the run game. Sacks, last year you only had two sacks per game. This year that went up to 2.6 sacks per game. Last year you got 11.4 pressures per game. This year you got 13.2 pressures per game. Turnovers dipped, uh, obviously, significantly from last year. So with that being said, all but about two different categories of stats there, statistical categories, your defense got better this year than the year before. Now, well, Clayton, you keep scheming up linebackers on receivers, man, in coverage. So shut up, Tim. Let's keep this on track. <laughs> so it, when people ask that question as if it's a loaded question, like, how oh, they ain't going to come up with nothing, I think you would be surprised. And most people would hear those numbers and go, is that true? It is true. It's just hard to believe it's true because there's so many people just pushing this whole Joe Barry bad, orange man bad, we want him gone, right? That's the whole – In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Everybody falls in line and just goes with whatever's the cool and hip thing to say right now. So anyway, Jacob, you're being quiet over there. What you got, man? Are you still anti-Joe Barry? I know you were uh, you were uh, out there picketing in front of his house the other day, wasn't you? <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I've actually been – I think you might be misremembering. I was midfield mid- – Mid-season, by the way. <laughs> Mid-season, I was I was definitely on, I was I was trending definitely towards get rid of Barry, never let him ever use the Packers name in his mouth again, all that kind of stuff. But uh, over the last eight games of the year, and then into the playoffs, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm like you right now. I'm on the fence. If if it brought him back, I would be happy. And I think that the biggest thing that we should look at, dude, if you could bring up that graphic real quick, points against 
we were the we have the second best team this Packers defense has put on a field for the last like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really want to tell me that we want to crumble that all together right now and start from scratch? And yeah, it could work out. It could be great. Um, it could get worse. Like, <laughs> it could get a lot worse. And I would flip a coin, or I would say it's not a coin flip, and that the odds are that it's gonna get worse because first year anything is not you know gonna be an adjustment. It's gonna be like, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a whole, especially if it's a different scheme, a different you know formation, that a whole different type of. Um, I guess philosophy on that defense, you can't expect it to click. I mean, grant, granted, we do have, I think that we've talked about it. I, I was listening before I could hop on um, I, the safety. I think the safety position is by far the biggest improvement we need to make. Um, especially when you look at who, who's our only safety that's guaranteed coming back. And Johnson. Yeah. Anthony Johnson. That's only because we just signed him right from the, from the practice squad. Well, no, no he's, that's a different Anthony Johnson. Yeah. We've oh, we got two Anthony Johnsons, two Jonathan Ford. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Val and Val. <laughs> yeah, um, I, and I still think that middle linebacker safety and yep. me, like uh, halfback two slash halfback one, depending on what happens, is most important right now. Yeah, yeah, and again, I, I know there's a little bit of talk about well, we're we're not blitzing enough, we're not hitting home enough. The, I mean, our pressure rate was crazy the first half of the season. People forget. I, I challenge everyone to go back and watch the first half of the season because the whole yeah. narrative. Really, the first third of the season specifically, the whole narrative is, man, this offense sucks. The defense is carrying the load, and then all of a sudden, the offense gets cranking, and it's like, well, we got to find someone to blame. At that point, it was we need to see Sean Clifford. Then we get to the point where it's okay, now the offense is doing good. Who's who are we blaming today? Poor Andres Carlson. Which, by the way, did you guys see what happened to Buffalo's kicker? Did you guys see that? Yeah, that kicker. I, that I heard hit. that was happening in our kicker too. Well, uh, it it was. Buffalo's kicker actually just deactivated his Twitter account because he's getting death for death threats for missing that game winning kick. Bunch of internet tough guys, bro. We'll just leave it there. I don't want to get into, I don't I don't want to get into a, a rant on that, but it's just it's mind-boggling how many internet tough guys there are out there. But yeah. um something else that happened. Let's see, we were we were actually just talking about Jair, right? So let's go ahead and hit that real quick. Um so Jair Alexander. Matt LaFleur was asked how he thought Jair Alexander handled the suspension. I thought this was a really cool answer. You guys have heard us talk about it for, you know, well over a week now. I think Jair really stepped up and, and like I was impressed. He earned a lot of my respect. Not that he cares. He don't even know who I am, but I'm just saying like, I respect the man who can kind of, you know, have a little bit of an ego issue, have a run in with, with uh, quote unquote management and then get disciplined and come back and be like, okay, man, I'm just going to be better for this. Like that says a lot about someone's character. And I think he did play better when he came back, but we do want to tell the whole story here too. But here's what Matt LaFleur said about Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander responded the last few weeks after he came back from the suspension. I thought he responded. He he did an outstanding job. You know, like I said, sometimes, whether it's in football or in life, sometimes you go through some hardship and you're better for it. And I think, Ja could sit here and tell you, and we had a great conversation a minute ago. As tough as that was, uh, really on on everybody here, um, I just I do think that our just our level of communication will be so much clearer and consistent. And I think there's a lot of good that actually ended up coming out of that. So it's, it was tough. It was tough on him. It was tough on me, our team. Um, but I, I love how you how you responded, and that's life. You got two choices: you can either go in the tank, or you can try to 
learn and grow and be better for it. And I th think he certainly has taken uh, that approach. Now, he, he had other comments to make about it, and I love the way Matt LaFleur approached it, too. He kind of he kind of approached it like, hey, look, we all learned from it, myself included. Like, he, it's not just Jair was the only one to blame. It's like, hey, we could have done things better. I really respect that from the coach. Uh, we're, Seth, we're going to get to your super chat. I'm going to leave it up here, okay? Um, I don't know who that is, to be honest with you, man. Is that a free agent? Is that, do you guys know who he's talking about there? Yeah, he's – uh, if I'm mistaken, he's one of the better linebackers in the league. It's up for uh, – Gotcha. Good stuff. Oh, that'll go hand-in-hand in hand with what we're talking about too. Um, good stuff. Yeah, Seth, I'll, again, buddy, I'll get to that. I just want to finish this Jair real quick. Um, now, when, when we pull the stats on Jair, uh, don't let me forget, guys, we're coming back to that super chat, okay? I just wanted to acknowledge it. Thank you, Seth. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, so, uh, Jair Alexander, this is passer rating when targeted, okay? 91st in the league and keep in mind I took out some garbage uh stats here too as far as like a, just a small sample size of certain players that were pushing him even further down on the list okay so we did like a a certain number of targets I'm trying to think of what it was his target was yeah I think I did a minimum of 30 targets was what I said it at okay so he had 30 he was targeted 31 times this year uh, Jair was 98.7 passer rating when targeted okay so that was 91st best in the league to put that into perspective that's grading out as a number three corner with that specific statistic which i think that stat is very telling in my opinion now when we go defense or a passer rating when targeted just on the packers and their secondary their cornerbacks right um cory ballantyne 65.9 that's what i was saying we need to look at his contract right well he's an un un unrestricted free agent he actually played really well this year, guys, considering. I know PFF wasn't crazy about him, but 65.9 passer rating against, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Carrington Valentine, 79.1, and then you got Jair Alexander at 98.7. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, 100.5. You guys know last night we pointed out his bust percentage was kind of low, and it was like, okay, you know, from a bust percentage standpoint, he played pretty good. But this, what that tells you, if his bust percentage is low and the passer rating when targeted is a little bit higher, at least 100.5, then he's probably given up a lot of plays underneath, right? A lot of a lot of little nickel and dime stuff. So, And Eric Stokes was, I mean, there's no two ways about it. He was just booty cheeks. He really was. 148 or 145.8 didn't play, but what 66 coverage snaps, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely struggled this year. So just wanted to point that out with Jair. I think he was, he was back on the uptick and I think these numbers aren't indicative of how he finished the season. It's more along the lines of that's how he played the majority of the season, if that makes sense. So um, anything you guys want to add to that before we jump into uh, Seth Reuter's, uh super chat there? Well, Seth was actually referring to – I thought it was a, uh, a middle linebacker, but it's not. It's the D-tackle, 26-year-old guy from the Ravens who was a 14 and good against the run. I believe he's up for a contract here kind of thing. Um, gotcha. I'll see if I can find him real quick. Uh, Tim, you got anything to add to the Jair conversation there, buddy? Uh, no, I just – you know, more of the same. I think, um, you know, it kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of what Quay went through last year. You know, you, you, you learn from some mistakes and you come back better and you're – you're better for yourself, but, you know, better for your team. And, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Jair next year and what the attitude is coming into camp. Um, maybe he works out with the team this year rather than, uh, you know, on his own. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, but he's definitely a leader back there and an anchor in our secondary, and that's the guy you're going to build around. So um, we absolutely need him. 
Yeah, I agree. Jacob, anything? No, I mean, <clears throat> I was I, I keep I always get distracted in the, co uh, the comment section there, but um, I I do enjoy Val and Val as uh, as Tim calls him and Jair. I mean, when he comes to play, I really do think that when he he's been battling a lot of injuries. I just I think it's unfair to to grade him specifically on this year in a bubble and just be like, hey, if Jair did this or did that. I think that we should focus on the fact that after he and LaFleur and the Packers organization had that quote-unquote falling out, that he really did give it his all. He came back. and I mean, it's not like the guy didn't play for us. So I'm I, I'm back on the Jair train. I'm not going to have anything bad to say. I think we've at least we can say we've probably seen the end of the, oh, well, I don't really talk to Coach LaFleur like that. Right. Yeah. I, I think we've seen the end of that. I think certainly uh, the communication has improved across the board. Uh, yeah. whether it's from coaching front office to the players. So that's a and good again, start. I think he improved too, right? Yep. So maybe maybe next year we come out week one and we got the old job, right? That would be yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to try to pronounce this guy's name. Matabuike. Matabuike. Justin Matabuike. 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 I like it, man. All right. 63305. This is the one that uh, Seth Ruder is asking about with the Super Chat. He was a third-round selection. He was drafted in 2020. I, I'm assuming he's going to be a free agent. That's why he's asking. Um, here are his PFF grades this year. 43, 45.3, 67.8, 51.1, 68.9, 81.1, 56.5, 81.4, 80.0, 65.3, 75.6, 68.0, 76, 66.7, 73.2, 69.9, 65.3, 78.0. You know, with the exception of the first couple weeks of the season, really the first four weeks, he really, really – Stabilized there. Now, when you look at his overall PFF grades by year in 2020, it was 70.3. In 2021, it dipped to 56.6. In 2022, it was 63.8. And in 2023, it was 76.4. Based off the past, I'm a little cautious, to be honest with you, Seth. Yeah. And, and, and listen, PFF isn't everything, but it's the one metric we're looking at here, right? So, um, yeah, for me, it would be what you would hate to see happen is go overpay for good. You, you'll always be willing to overpay for great. There's nothing wrong with overpaying for great. You never want to overpay for good. And sometimes, I'm, I'm not saying this is Justin in general, right? But just, I'm not saying him specifically. I'm saying just in general, you get these players that have a great year and a contract year. And then they get that contract <laughs> and it's like, they test the market, they get a big chunk, people overpay for them. And then you never see them kind of perform up to that level again. Right. And it's another reason why I'm not worried about Rashawn Gary. People were kind of kind of hinting at that with Rashawn Gary. That dude's still grading out right at the 80 mark. He graded out in the 80s the majority of the year. Right. It just he dipped down to, I think, 77 or 79 at the end of the year. So um, what, what about you guys? Let's go around the horn here. Uh, Jacob, would you be on board with trying to sign this guy for the right price? No. Um, like that just to me, if I'm I'm drilled with Ryan's podcast thoughts where he's like, he had one good year. One yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's a valid point. And I yeah. really do believe that. And it's like you talked about, especially when uh, it's not that he's an old guy by any means, but 26, he's looking at protecting his financial future. So that means that, yeah, he's probably giving him the gas a little more than maybe. And, and you know, they're still on a playoff run, so who knows what's going to happen. But um, I just uh, – I don't think – because he's going to get a lot of money. Any Every year, one of those top three, top five D tackles, they're going to get a lot of money. And I just – 
to me, I don't look at those three years prior and think I want to extend or sign this guy to a three-year future contract. Right. And no, Eric, shush. <laughs> what about you, Tim? You on board with that for the right price or no? No, I think I'm kind of with you. You don't want to overpay for good. You know, I, I agree with that statement. Um, thank you, Seth, for the super chat, by the way. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. Got, got it going. Um, you know, Deadfish says he was second team all pro this year. Wow. And, you know, but that kind of leads, you know, credence to your point, right, Clayton? Like that's second team all pro. That's good. Right. You don't want to overpay for good. You want to you want to pay the right money for great. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it, you know, it depends on what the market is on him. If you're telling me we can get a deal on him, absolutely. But like you said, second team all pro, like Deb Fish pointed out, probably going to cost a little bit, right? Um, the thing that, that worries me too, what's the problem we're having with Devontae Wyatt right now? It's tackling, right? Look at his tackle grade there in 2022, 28.7. Pretty, uh, you know what I mean? So just a few too many flags for me, but watch this, Seth. Watch him hit the market, get a huge contract, and absolutely dominate the league. We will remember this day if that's the case, buddy. We'll say Seth said it. He called it. So uh, appreciate the super chat there, though, bud. You know, he also mentioned McDuffie there, right? So yeah. uh, let's talk about uh, Isaiah McDuffie for – or I'm sorry, the linebacker uh, position for just a second here. You know, one of the things as we kind of did our self-scout there that I do at the end of every year, I go through the team and go, okay, what what got better, what got worse, right? And I kind of look at it from, from that angle. And one of the things that stood out to me about the defense that did get worse was the coverage, right? And, and they did give up a few more pass yards than they have in years past. Now, you guys know I've been very vocal that, hey, the majority of those chunk plays are coming in man coverage. We as a fan base kept screaming, we want more man coverage. We want more man coverage. We got it, and we gave up more passing yards this year. So from that standpoint, I go through and I go, okay, what, what's the one statistic that stood out to me? The 33rd team, uh, their defensive stats and analytics had pass coverage, total points, right, last year or from last year to this year, actually went from 7.6 to 5.7. Not in a good way. We're not talking about points scored. We're talking about grading the players and how they played within the system. Now, with that total point system, that would tell me that the player had negative plays. The players played worse this year. Not that it was necessarily a scheme thing. It's, it's actually quite the opposite when you think about it. It's the players didn't perform their job at a high level. The fact that it dropped from 7.6 total points – um, to 5.7, that throws a red flag up and go, okay, pass coverage is an issue this year, right? Pass coverage was definitely an issue. They uh, they got worse at pass coverage this year. So when we look at it from that angle, let's pull up Devondre Campbell. And now listen, I've been really, really vocal on Devondre Campbell. I think he played hurt most of the year. So we don't know if this was the byproduct of him being hurt or if this is the new Devondre Campbell, right? So Nonetheless, when we pull up the, the stats, passer rating against, why am I keying in on passer rating against? Because I'm trying to figure out what was the most glaring need on this team and the fact that the total points per game as far as pass coverage in 33rd team combined with SIS data went from 7.6 to 5.7. I tried to finagle these numbers to get Devondre Campbell off of the 81st spot because that's dead last on this list amongst linebackers in the entire National Football League. Devondre Campbell, passer rating when targeted. The quarterback's passer rating when they target Devondre Campbell's guy, 155.0. Jeez. 
that was my reaction, Jacob. I was like, I knew he had a down year, but man, that is bad. That is really bad, right? So you immediately think, okay, the extreme thought is, all right, what's it going to cost to get rid of him? What's the contract look like, right? So, and I'm not suggesting we should get rid of him, but this is how you make a sound decision on whether someone should return or not, right? So when you pull up his contract, he uh, is obviously 31 years old. He's going to be 31 years old this year, this this uh, this calendar year. Um, his cap hit is 14.2 million. His dead cap is 11.6. So what that means is, if you were to cut him, right? And these are very very just general terms. There may be some little details here, or there, a million or two here, or there. Okay, but this is just a very just a very generalized summary of his contract. You could free up what roughly two point what six million. If I'm looking at it right, you could free up about two and a half million if he's not on the roster. Is it worth it to let go of a former top 100 player, right? Voted on by the players in an injury year coming off an injury year. Is it worth it to just free up two million? I'm leaning toward no, it isn't. Now, that doesn't mean you don't try to improve the linebacker room and create a competition, right? So maybe you go out and you draft a linebacker. As a matter of fact, I did one of my first mocks earlier today. And I took a linebacker with the with the first round pick. <laughs> I ended up taking a linebacker. It was it was one of uh, I think it was actually uh, is it Jeremiah? Might have been Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Does that sound familiar? Jeremiah Trotter's uh, son. I think that's who it is. I may be getting it mixed up with another one here. Let me pull it up. Um, I actually didn't post that one in the chat either. But what's that? Is that the Penn State guy? Uh, Clemson, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I traded down from the 25th pick and and picked up a couple extra picks. And with the 30th pick overall, I took Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Yeah, that's Jeremiah Trotter's kid. Um, Yeah, I'm old too, Doug. Welcome to the damn club. Uh, So (laughs) if you pull something like that and you create competition in the linebacker room, even if that first-round pick has to sit, right, like we've seen so many times in the past, you're kind of letting him mold, let someone like Devondre Campbell mold him into a better player. Then in 2025, his cap hit is 12.5 million and the dead cap is 7.9. So you're freeing up, you know, about 5 million as opposed to just two and a half, which you're still going to free that up if you get rid of him in 2024. It's just you, uh, you're, you're able to keep him on the roster. So imagine that scenario. And I'm not suggesting we should do it. I'm just saying the way the draft board fell for me, that was the mock that I did. Um, you're, you're losing a linebacker this year. Who is it we're losing um, to free agency? It's not going to be back. I'm trying to think. You got Quay Walker, you got Devondre Campbell, you got Isaiah McDuffie. Who Eric is the Wilson. other? Eric Wilson is uh, unrestricted, I believe. Correct. So, um, and with Eric Wilson, if even if you do bring him back for special teams purposes, you can carry five backers. That's not like you know unheard of. But right. if you go draft a linebacker and create that competition in the linebacker room, that might be a way to boost that one statistic that we've seen pop up with pass coverage total points dropping from 7.6 to 5.7. So that's kind of how my mind's firing going into the offseason. Like, okay, how can we improve that? How can we fix that, that specific situation? Um, that's one option. So just wanted to point that out with Devondre Campbell. How do you guys feel about it? Let's go around the horn, Tim. Um, Devondre Campbell, based on the fact you're only going to free up $2 million, um, would you rather have that veteran presence in a room or would you rather just move on? He is 31 years old. I didn't realize how old he was, dude. That's that's pretty old for a backer, right? I mean, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm leaning towards keeping him around. Um, 
I don't think Devondre Campbell's the type of dude that's going to get his feathers ruffled by, you know, a young linebacker being drafted. No, you know, I really don't. He's a pro's pro. And, um, you know, I got to choose my words carefully here, but, um, you know, I feel like Drake really threw himself out there for us ever since he came to green Bay. And, uh, I don't think cutting him is a, is a good look. I think, um, I don't want to say the Packers owe it to him, but put it this way. I would like to see him have a chance to come back healthy next year and uh, contribute on a high level once again on this defense in, in whatever role that may be. And um, you're certainly right. Um, if, in fact, we, you know, Eric Wilson's going to pick up a contract somewhere else and he's ultimately not going to be here, you know, why not draft? You know, why not draft an inside linebacker and put him back there with Quay and Dre and Zay McDuffie? and uh, see what we got cooking there. You know, I, I agree with keeping Devondre Campbell. I mean, age and injury with a guy like this is, you know, it, it's you look like – it's like Rashawn, you know. Like, look at Rashawn Gary, you know, coming back from an ACL, has a halfway decent season this year, you know, um, and then some. So, you know, certain guys, man, it's less of a concern. Cer- certain guys, they can't seem to get over the injury bug. Here's a guy that's played hurt. Um, you know, he expressed some frustration with mostly with us fans this year um, about laying his body out there for us and not feeling appreciated by the by the fan base. And that that's real. You know, it's it is, it's, you know, reality is uh, is an SOB sometimes. But, you know, um, that's what you get with Dre Campbell is you get an authentic, you know, pro. Like I said, a pro's pro. So he's going to call it like he sees it. And uh, who better to show, you know, some young linebackers, you know, the ropes in the NFL, you know, as he kind of transcends to the latter stages of his career. I think Dre Campbell is that guy and I'd love to see him finish his career here, man. I really would. I would too, man. The question is how long is he going to play? Right. And uh, I, I think the contract is structured the best way possible, Jacob, because you, you do give yourself an out next year, right. Where you can really free up some cap and, and kind of move on if you have to. Right. But uh, what do you think, Jacob? You, would you rather see Dre back? If, if he can return to the old form, I think we're all it's unanimous bringing back, but it's just, do you think uh, it was the injury? Do you think he's kind of hitting the wall, man? I think that if you, yeah, I, I'm going to let him go. I would let him go. I'd take the two and a half million. I'd take Quay and Zay and make them my main guys. I would maybe offer Wilson just a tad bit over what the market's willing to give him because he's such a good special teams guy. And then I'd maybe take two stabs at middle linebacker with one of our 14 picks that we have. I just look at the way that Walker, uh, that uh, Devondre, like he, I mean, he was dead last in a lot of categories. And I remember watching multiple plays where I watched a guy come across the middle I watched him with flat feet on his heels, just standing there. I watched him when he was going up to make a tackle. He was stopping and waiting to make engagement. He was not pursuing all the way through. And, yeah, if the guy was hurt, then he was hurt. And he probably shouldn't have played through some injuries. And if that's on the Packers staff, then that's on them. But at this point, the guy's 31. He's 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 banged up. Um, so that's not a plus that he played through injuries. It just means he was injured. So, um, And then in addition to that, the, the cherry on top for me, he's the age. I didn't know his agent was Drew Rosenhaus, and I didn't know he went to Minnesota. So, right there. (laughs) Took a couple of sliding factors there. I love it. Um, Another thing, too, forget my opinion, forget Tim's, forget Jacob's for a minute. Mike Wall talked about it during the season. And uh, I think it was after the Tampa Bay game, um, if I remember correctly. And Mike Wall put a tweet out like, something's got to change at linebacker. And he was referring to 59. I mean, there's no two ways about it. He was saying like, hey, this is really, really bad, really bad. So uh, it could be the injury again, but um, it's not just our opinion, but a former NFL player who, oh, by the way, his job was to handle 
those Mike backers and yep. getting second level, especially in a power running game like they ran uh, under Mike Sherman. So uh, Redmond in the chat said, Wilson may, uh, may be linebacker five, but he is 100% special teams one, always making key plays, it seems, absolutely. And you know what? I like Isaiah McDuffie, man. I thought McDuffie oh, yeah. played pretty decent, you know. Um, I did. Now, is he a, a, a playmaker like, a you know, a Patrick Queen or a Roquan uh, Smith that you're seeing in Baltimore? No. Which, by the way, Roquan leaves the big bad bears, goes to Baltimore, and that dude's all of a sudden bang. You know, it's uh, culture's and uh, culture's a real thing in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, I thought we just kind of hit on that. These are the kind of conversations we need to have because there's going to be some tough decisions made here real soon. Speaking of tough decisions, man, this one broke my heart earlier today. Um, well, let me get through the chat here real quick. Um, Robert Allen said, a couple of ball hawking safeties in the second and third also. The KED from USC looks good. I think he said kid is what he was referring to. Paul Robertson said all of those dropped interceptions turn into turnovers if we get some ball hawks at safety. So everybody's kind of unanimous safety. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, no, I was just going to say there's uh, – you'll. I'm sure you'll highlight it. There's a lot of Cooper DeGene, a lot of Cooper DeGene talking. I would uh, absolutely love that for so many reasons. If you want to just even for a funny way, look at the Shane Gillis uh, stand-up bit about how <laughs> right. white corners – <laughs> there's they don't exist anymore and uh it's just funny man um i just think that it would be really great to see a guy that we could i mean he that that dude seems like an ultimate puzzle piece that you could place all around that secondary I mean, he could be a ball hawk he looks like like freaking charles woodson jr dude yeah no doubt let's go to let me do this let me share the screen real quick and let's see we're at the 47 minute mark this is wild how fast this has gone by Tim's like, you always say that, and that means we're going over. Um, so here uh-huh. is <laughs> exactly. So this is the consensus big board. Everybody's talking about Cooper DeGene. Let's be honest. It's because he's a white corner, and we haven't seen it since Jason Seahorn. Can we all be honest here for just a second? <laughs> Jason no. Seahorn was awesome. If you guys have never heard Michael Irvin talk about playing against him. By the way, look at NFL Mock Draft Database. Do they have enough ads on this page? Right? Like, what in the world? <laughs> Pay the bills, guys. I see it. All right, Cooper DeGene. Let's see where he's at here. We got to drop at, uh, last year's draft class there. Yeah. Why ain't he on here, Jacob? What is he's, this? It's not even good. <laughs> All right, Cooper DeGene. Let's see where he comes in at. Number 17, he peaked at number nine. His projection is number 22 to Philadelphia. Hit me with the disappointment soundbite when you get a chance, Tim. <laughs> so. Man, I tell you that wet fart at the end is hard to hard to hear. It's, it's <laughs> you're gonna need a new pair of trousers after that one. So, yeah, mock draft database. It isn't everything, guys, but they showed him peaking at nine. He's sitting at seventeen. They're projecting him to go to the Eagles. Of course, the Eagles would land a stud like that to go with that defensive line, right? Just a a great corner back there. Now he's not the top rated corner. Uh, Nate Wiggins is uh, above him, and let's see, we got Kool Aid McKinstry, probably the coolest name in the draft this year. He yep. is sitting in the 12 spot, so there's a chance. You know, you got you got a couple of different options there. There's a chance that that uh, the fact that there's a few options, the value drops a little bit. Someone trades out, thinking if I get one of those two, I'm okay, right? So just something to keep in mind. Again, look, can you tell Mandy's been on my computer? Look at all the Disney stuff, cruises. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's already booked something I don't know about. So there you go. Um, yeah. So Cooper DeGene, I think as it sits right now, guys, he's probably not going to be there at 25. 
you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but um, they'll see. Reef says draft a cover linebacker. I, you, know, you know how I feel about that. I had it in one of my mocks. Um, AFAM Rolf says give Eric Wilson whatever he wants. Man, I'll tell you what, that fumble recovery, Tim. Jacob, yeah. might be my favorite play of the year. Uh, when that ball came flying out, I screamed Don't like a you-know-what, bro. <laughs> and I'm watching it bounce all the way to Door County, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, this cat comes flying in, and I'm like, who through, is that? Through a sea of red jerseys, there's Eric Wilson falling on that football. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. And I'm you know what? You. He's been doing that all year. When he's not doing that, he's laying somebody out. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I don't mind him as like, you know, he played third, or four, third or fourth depth chart kind of linebacker, man. I really don't. So um, I think you got to think about it at least. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's going to test the market, though. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, let's see. Doug in the chat says the background on that fumble is that after Wilson, the next five closest players were 49ers, like you said, Tim. It's just a man. It's a great picture. That's one to get framed. If we had won, I would say frame it. The fact that we lost, it'll get forgotten. In the Louvre. <laughs> it, it will get forgotten, no doubt about it. So. Uh, speaking of forgotten, I wish I could forget what I seen earlier today because this was tough to watch, man. Um, you know, we talked about John Runyon Jr. all year long. Um, listen, he's underperformed. There's no two ways about it. He would tell you that, I'm sure. Um, I, I think anyone who breaks down tape and focuses on the offensive line, they would agree with it. But this is the part that's hard for me as a fan. When you get someone who wears the green and gold, and you could tell it means something to them, and they love the city, they love the community, they love the organization, and you you could just see the writing on the wall like, yeah, I'm probably done here. Watch John Runyon Jr. get emotional when he was asked about what it meant to be a Green Bay Packer. I'm sorry. That was awesome. I don't know. There's a better organization out there. I'd love to hear it. It's a good time. Is there a moment during your time here that really encapsulates what it means to be back? I think it's just... Uh, just the brotherhood. It's unreal. It's an organization. Everybody inside. Um, the people out of the facility, the, <clears throat> the fans, it's a special place. Um, met some really good people here. Um, I hope I don't leave. It was a good time. Really appreciate it. Man, that's – I immediately was like, you know what, maybe he didn't play that bad. Maybe he didn't play that bad. Like, you know what I mean? I he's, want that he's, good, he's good, bro. He's good. He's yeah. good. <laughs> like, lifetime contract. Yeah, I mean, it's so rare you see players get attached to cities, to teams like that. You know what I mean? Like it, today, everybody's so caught up in trying to look cool and I'm too, oh, no, I don't need this. I don't need that. Man, just uh, you could tell why the, the coaches have given him every opportunity to kind of pull out of this slump, right? Yep. Um, and last year he was a decent pass blocker, if I remember correctly. It's just this year. It wasn't just decent. He was very good. Like in yeah. a lot of games with scoring unreal. And you kind of expect him to turn it around all year long. It just never really happened. Like, and, and I dug into the stats a little bit, and I don't want to pile on, but listen, it is a business, right? And it's why I'm not a GM. I would be like, you know what? You're good, Runyon. You hang out as long as you need to, buddy. You know what I mean? But when you look at the actual numbers, run block percentage, okay? Blown block percentage, not run block. 
all blocks, blown block percentage. This is sorted by right guards. So there's only right guards on this list here. Okay. So sorted by blown block percentage, he is 31st in the league at 2.6. So, I mean, he what that essentially says is there was only one other starter that blew more blocks than him this year. Um, and it sucks. It sucks after you hear that kind of response, right? But that's the nature of the business, man. Um, when you look to, if you'll notice, 29th, look who it is. Sean Ryan, 2.5%. Right. It's not much better there, but you, I, I point that out not to be like, not to pile on. That's not the goal. You see it, you got to say it, though. Like, Sean Ryan is playing just as good as John Runyon, and he's got three more years left on his contract. What is essentially, I mean, not a minimum, but a third-round pick, you're expecting him to play. You know what I mean? So all the writing on the wall, and I think you could see it on John Runyon Jr.'s face, is like, yeah, I've got one foot out. Now, here's the other thing, though. I'm, I'm still a little hesitant to say this, Tim, but imagine he doesn't get any offers on the market and comes back. But, you know, like we talked about with Jeremiah Trotter Jr., you got that pedigree. That carries a lot of weight with people, you know. They'd be like, hey, look, he's a second-generation player. Um, maybe we can get the most out of him. I can't imagine that someone's not going to offer him a contract in free agency. The question is, it, it, would it be so small that the Packers could match it? Yeah. Right. And do you consider that, especially when you look and you see what we've had, you know, here two seasons in with Sean Ryan, you know, what, you know, I'm assuming that's the next look, right? I mean, who are you going to start at right guard if you move yeah. on? Um, or who's going to play the majority of snaps, we should say. I mean, we rotate guys on that line, but and you're going to have to anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would think the Packers would try and match just, you know, just for the cultural standpoint and the fact that when you've got someone that, that loves it and embraces the culture and wants to be here, that's a big thing. Like you said, Clayton, you know, it's, it's a rarity in pro sports as a whole, usually with guys jumping teams as often as they do. Um, you know, we can say that about quite a few players in Green Bay. A.J. Dillon and, you know, Aaron Jones come to mind. And, you know, there are people that, you know, once you uh, have your first experience up here in uh, Titletown, you know, you do you don't want to leave. And um, clearly John Running Jr. is one of those guys. And, um, you know, to Jen's point here, he did he did play better towards the end of the year, lat latter half of the season. Um, but you're right. The run blocking is. Uh, is a concern, especially when we're trying to run pin and pull and, you know, some of these things that we're doing with uh, our running backs, you know, you, you need to hit your blocks. Um, pass pros, you know, another, another monster, but uh, you got to be able to run block with uh, Matt LaFleur's offense for sure. It's the nature of the business, man. And you know, what sucks is like, like we just pointed out the 33rd team, one of the glaring needs or the glaring holes on this defense was pass coverage drop. And we just talked about how we might potentially fix it. Right. Dre, whether it's the injury or not, I always add that caveat. He played horrible against the pass. All right, so you can upgrade by replacing him with someone who's going to play better pass coverage at the linebacker position. With this, on the offensive side, what did we do bad on the offensive side? Um, these are these the, the things that dipped according to the 33rd team. Yards per carry dipped, right, which we know it's true. Rushing total points per game. Uh, dropped, not points per game like points scored, but the point system they use. Uh, rushing blocking total points dropped, and pass blocking total points dropped. So the offensive line got worse this year, and you could see it. You could see it at times, right, especially in the running game. 
If you hop over to the PFF side, let's cross-check it. Let's cross-reference it, see if it holds up, right? Run blocking grade for the team, 55.1. Run defense. Um, we already talked about run defense or, or the defense side of the ball. And then tackle grade. So your run blocking grade, 55.1, along with all those other analytics we just talked about in the offensive line from the 33rd team side with the point system, you need to upgrade. Okay. So Sean Ryan's going to be on the roster. Your floor is set there. And now we got to take the emotional cap off for a second. Go, okay, how do you make this damn team better, right? Right. Sean Ryan, there's your floor. You need to upgrade the right guard position. Hit timeout. What did we ask Mike Wall? Hey, what do you think of this offensive line? He said 74 and 50, you're good to go. Everyone else is replaceable. That includes John Runyon. So you try to take your weakness and turn it into a strength without putting too much draft capital, too much money into it, because we know right guard isn't even a position of tier two importance, right? It's kind of a last last, uh, last on the list, if you will, the shop at the grocery list there. But so tough, man, with John Runyon, though, man. Yeah. What that I so. can see us, like, realistically using – seven picks on offensive line. Like, <laughs> right. because think about it. Think about it. They want to replace the left guard, the center, and the right guard, right? I mean, if you could, if you could replace all three of those guys with studs, why would you – it's not unlike the Packers. When they know they needed a wide receiver, they drafted three of them. When they knew they needed a, a guard or whatever, they drafted three of them. When they knew they wanted a tackle, they drafted three of them. The year that they got Aaron Rodgers, they drafted three quarterbacks. If I'm not yep. mistaken. And you're hoping to hit on one or two, right? That's all they want is just to hit on one, maybe. Like, and then every once in a while, you hit the freaking lottery, like we did with our receivers, <laughs> and they're all they're all really good. And now we now don't have to worry about that position for the next three freaking years. Like, so uh, now, now you talk about center and right guard. Which one would you rather have? Center is more important, but check this out, Jacob. According to the thirty third, I've been very vocal on Josh Myers. I don't think he's very good. You guys know how I feel, right? Speaking he's of someone who played better in the second half of the season, exactly. He's a good pass blocker most of the time. You see, I'm having to add in most and if and buts, but he's a good pass blocker most of the time. Run blocker, different story. But my opinion don't mean jack squat. The 33rd team, former former coaches, former execs, that carry was way more weight than me in my personal opinion. Okay, They had Josh Myers as the fourth highest graded player on the offense with total points per game at 30 total points per game, or I'm sorry, 30 total points for the year. Okay, to put that in perspective, Jordan Love had 103, Zach Tom had 37, Elton Jenkins had 34, Josh Myers had 30, okay? That's not the best in the entire National Football League amongst centers. But PFF, we all know, we've been very vocal about that, PFF had Josh Myers way down. So when you take both into consideration, you think, okay, he's probably a starting caliber center, but definitely in the bottom half of the league as far as starting centers. Now, if you go to right guard and how bad we played at right guard, just like we identified at middle linebacker with Dre, right guard, I think probably you probably they're probably pretty high on Josh Myers, just to be honest with you. Right guard, totally different ball game. So right. if the right lineman falls into place, you draft him, you plug and play him in at right guard. If it doesn't fall into place perfectly, then you got a competition at right guard and your floor set, you're no worse than you were last year with Sean Ryan playing right guard. Matter of fact, you might be slightly better, at least according to the blown block percentage. So, um, yeah, anything you want to add to that, Jacob, Tim? Anything else there, man? No. No? All right, cool. Let's do this. Let's end it with a little Anders Carlson talk. How about it, boys? Y'all want to talk some kicker? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, we've talked more kicker this week than anything. 
But this was Matt LaFleur. Did you, did you guys hear on the telecast the other night? I think it was Fox, right? Wasn't it Fox's broadcast team? Oh, it has to be Fox. So, Oh, it's a turkey leg, by the way. They said that Matt LaFleur said in their meeting, right, their uh, production meeting, they asked, you know, how do you deal with this with Andres Carlson missing kicks? And Jacob, Matt LaFleur said, or according to Fox, Matt LaFleur told him, yeah, you just got to pray when he goes out there. Right. That's a bad look. You guys know I was vocal. Like, why the hell would Matt say that? It sounds like Matt was joking when he said it. And he they said, said, said it. Over it the yeah. Let me ask you this. We've we've talked about a rookie kicker all year long. And this is how I think it was kind of said. And I'm going to play Matt's soundbite here in a second. But if they go, hey, what do you think about your rookie kicker and his struggles? Yeah, man, you just when someone's struggling like that. You still got to kick kicks. You got to go. You just got to pray for him. Pray that he hits it. And then they make it a big blown up thing on TV. That's kind of what it feels like. I didn't feel like it in the moment when I heard it. I went, why would you say that, Matt? Matt's kind of leading you to believe, Hey, I was joking about that. It was kind of tongue in cheek. And he went straight to Anders and talked to him about it. But here's what coach LaFleur had to say about that. A little bit spicy here. And I like it. Is there any uh, context or clarification needed to what they said on the broadcast that you apparently told them that you pray before every kick you guys have? That was extremely disappointing. Uh, that that's how that message got uh, portrayed. Um, you know, I've been doing this for, been a part of production meetings for ever since I became a coordinator, and I've never had a, an experience like that. But it is what it is. I talked to honors about it, and you know, I think anytime something's out of your control, you, you know kind of saying it in jest and having fun with it, but it got portrayed that way. And, you know, it, it's a learning lesson for me. And that right on the head, nailed the nail right on the head. It's a learning lesson. You're yeah. always learning. You know, the media cannot be trusted. You yeah. know that if you're in a production meeting, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of public opinion. That's just how it goes. Honestly, this seems to be a Fox thing. Um, not to pick on anybody, but I I don't get it, man. I will. They're, they're they're hungry. They're hungry to spin a narrative at any given moment. In as a head coach, you've got to you know he, he like he said he learned from it. You got to do better. You got to realize that those tongue in cheek comments or little joking kind of reactions, man. You really have to have trust with uh, a media member to be able to speak like that because everything is pretty much always on the record now nowadays. So. Yeah. Um, hopefully Matt will kind of be a little more tight-lipped in the production meetings now in the future. I think he will. I think he's going to say, you know what? No, nope, y'all ain't getting a damn thing from us. Ain't happening. Yep. Yep. Ain't happening. No more our shucks, Matt LaFleur, right? We got spicy Matt in the house. Like spicy Martin Matt. Said. Spicy Matt. Throw a little pepper on it. I think Go I ahead. got the best rebuttal to this Anders Carlson <clears throat> BS if you really want to hear it. I think that yeah. uh, a guy named Brian Ham summed this up more articulate than I could ever do it. It was in the Packernet podcast Facebook group. He said, people need to relax about Carlson and his kicking. Check out these stats between him and other kickers who are some of the best of all time in their first years. Anders Carlson, 81.1 field goal percentage his rookie year, three of five for 50 plus. Longest kick was 53. He missed five extra points. That sucks, yeah. Adam Vinatieri, 77.1 field goal percentage. Had one 50-yard kick when he was a, a rookie. Sebastian Janikowski, 68% field goal percentage. Had one kick 50-plus. Steven Goskowski, 76.9% six, 
Jason Elam, 74.3, his first rookie year. And he goes on to say, imagine if these teams drop these kickers after the rookie years. Just let's chill. All right. Yeah. And the here's the other progress. And we, I think that that for what Basaccia saw in him, I, I think he did pretty darn well. That's that's what the argument we were making yesterday was people were there. Well, we should have kept Mason. Mason didn't crack 80 percent field goal percentage until his fifth year in the league. And he missed one this year when he got signed. Right. And he had a crap season and we didn't quit on him and we allowed him to come back and find success again. So we're certainly not going to bail on a rookie after an 81 percent performance in his first season in the NFL. Yeah. And immediately people said, now include the extra points. The extra points were different when Mason Crosby was kicking. Yep. They, they were snapping from the freaking two. So if you include all of Anders Carlson's extra points as normal field goals, guess what? He's still beating Mason Crosby in field goal percentage. And so, also, guys, remember, uh, you know, place kicking is a snap, a hold, and a kick. Not just There's you. a lot of elements besides your kicker. And when you're a, a rookie – those things are even more important. Your snap and your hold are are absolutely vital to your mechanics because timing is so important. So, and I'm not pointing fingers away from him. I'm just saying you have to look at a unit. You know, you you want to look at your kicking unit if you're having issues. Um, we had a bad snap, terrible snap in that San Francisco game on and he Sunday, hit it. and he hit it. And Anders drilled that one and a great hold by Whelan mm-hmm. to get that ball down and the laces out in enough time for Anders to drive through that. That was a good kick too. Because yeah. he knew it was bad. He knew it was off. So, you know, I think you just got to, you know, give him a chance, get him a good hold, good snap, and, you know, he'll go out there and... And I'll kick the bloody piss out of it. Hey, I'll tell you this. You you said there was three elements, a snap, a hold, and a kick. You left off one. Puckered buttholes. I'm just telling you right now. Because when I'm sitting here in this chair watching them kick field goals with the game on the line, I, every single time I think, how in the world do they do this? I'm a nervous wreck right now, and I'm watching from my recliner with a daddy soda in front of me. How in the world do they kick these field goals? Just mind-boggling. So Robert Allen in the chat said, talk to Buffalo fans about kickers. That got ugly quick over there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Buffalo fans – sending death threats to their kicker for missing the game, the game time field goal. And he actually completely done away with his social media because of it. Um, you stay classy, Buffalo. Yeah. Keep it classy. And I like Buffalo fans, but that's just ridiculous, man. John Schmidt didn't Holmgren say the same thing about Favre at some point. Didn't we all say the same thing about it, Right. Like that's, what's crazy is it's out of my control, man. All you can really do is pray. That's what he said. What do you? What, how do you handle this with your rookie kicker struggling? I mean, all you got to do is all, all you can do really is pray. There's no. We got to kick field goals, and they. You think God never farted? They go out there and say, uh, "Yeah, uh, Coach Lafleur said that he's so worried about the kicking game that he prays before he kicks." Like that Ugh. got like me, man. Snake Such a bad media. Look yeah. I'm surprised coming from from Rinaldi too, because right, you know, yeah, he's had a pretty good reputation. Um, if they're you know if that's in fact what the what the scenario was, but yeah, either way, yeah. none of this happens though. If, if our, uh, if Matt LaFleur just kind of, you know, keeps that close to the chest and maybe yeah. say a silent prayer next time and don't, don't, don't divulge it to the, the media in the room. Right. And it's, I love how LaFleur handled it. He went straight to yeah. Carlson and said, here's what happened. And then he went to the media and said, lesson learned. 
got it. Yeah, and awesome. he and he expressed how disappointed he was in that because you know, hey, a production meeting is not a press conference. No, it is a production not. Production meeting is a production meeting. Exactly what it is. You're kind of going over some some hot points and what's going to be talked about or discussed. And then oh, if you're standing yeah. over by the by That's the donuts and the thing. coffee talking, yeah. and mm-hmm. hey, what do you think of your kicker? And and, and you know, a head coach set, makes a comment like, I don't know, man. The yeah. like I said, the media can't be trusted, man. Sorry. Absolutely. Red Mo in the chat said Anders doesn't deserve to be the scapegoat for this game, but that all I've heard for days now, he missed one, but so did five to six other guys at some point during the game. It's 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 so true, man. He doesn't deserve to be the scapegoat. And I'll die on that hill for sure. Deadfish in the chat says Mason Crosby, sixth year, he had a 63.6% field goal, field goal percentage. 63.6. And we stuck with him. Very good point, Deadfish. Very good point. So I mean, that's not even close to 65%. 65%. It's really not, man. Really not. He he far exceeded that. Um, parting thoughts, Tim. What you got, buddy? Anything else you want to add? Uh, oh, we're over again, of course. Um, <laughs> we're we're close though, right, Clayton? It's, it's we're getting there. We're getting we're getting there. there. Um, no, man, just excited to continue to uh, break things down here as we move into the uh, the off season uh, protocols and procedures and hot dates and things that are coming up. Um, not hot dates like you know date Mike or nothing like that, but uh, hot dates as far as uh, dates of importance here in the NFL. Obviously, you know, got a few more games left and. Uh, you know, then it'll be Super Bowl Sunday and on to, uh, I mean, Combine's going to be here before we know it. Oh, uh, you're going to have the, out. you know, the off-season owners meetings and things like that. So um lot to look forward to, to break down going into uh, what's, which for all intents and purposes will be probably one of the most exciting seasons we've uh, seen in a long time here in 2024. As exciting as 2023 was, I think uh, the buzz around training camp and preseason vibes are going to be at an all-time high level here in 2024. And uh, I'm just looking forward to spending the offseason here, breaking it down with you, Clay, and uh, Jacob and Emilio when we get them back, and Carly Ray, the chat, everybody. It's just it's really cool to be a part of this, man. I, I really appreciate you bringing me in, Clay. No, absolutely, man. It's a blast for sure. I, I appreciate you, man. Um, yeah, so like LaFleur pointed out too, they're going to be back. I think he said they're going to be back in the house April 14th. So think about it. It's January is almost over, right? February, you're going to get into the combine. Well, mid-February, like I said, February 17th last year was when Aaron Jones restructured his deal. So you'll probably have an answer with the Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones contracts about mid-February. The combine will be hitting the following week. Then we're getting into uh, April where the players will actually report for some offseason stuff April 14th. I think they said April 14th, mid-April. And then we got the draft coming up. We didn't even mention free agency, right? I mean, next thing you know, dude, it'll be training camp, and, and we'll be saying this. I'm here to tell you, Pack is back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you, we're going to blink an eye, and we're going to be good. dang, OTAs are here. You know what I mean? It's going to come like a freight train. So we're, uh, we got plenty of – Plenty of stuff to cover along the way for sure. The draft coverage is going to be awesome this year. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Go ahead, Jake. I'm just like I'm honestly blown away. I I had to. Uh, I went through like an emotional. Just I, I I did not handle that loss well. I was so in. I believe <laughs> so well. I had to turn off for a few days, and I know I, I usually do about five to to a week, five days to a week. Um, I've I listened to you guys. I've been at work. It's just amazing to me right now to look down and that we got just on YouTube alone a hundred people right here live i mean that's that's what we would do on some days in the season 
So the fact that we're two days after the season of a crushing, emotional, just defeat that that shook everybody, I think it's amazing because now going forward, a lot of you guys weren't with us at this time last year. This is now, what what year are we going into here, Clayton, with the offseason? Is this basically year three, kind of? Let's see, I think it might be. Yeah, we did two full years now. So, yeah, this would be the third offseason. Yeah, you're right. We're going into our third year. It's our final year of our contract. Let's see if I'll we be can dying <laughs> I'm just saying, it's going to be really fun because you guys have no idea. We have – I mean, we're learning all together, but the thing is we're going to do, like, obviously film breakdown, historical stuff that Clayton kind of put himself on the map for. But just, I mean, it's going to be fun, dude, because like we talked about, the, the NFL season doesn't just start and end – you know, in August and then ends in January. It's it really is, especially with the way that they've gotten the draft to where it is, the OTAs, the all the stuff we just talked about. It's going to be fun, guys. And if you stick with us through that off season, you're going to be way better knowledgeable Packer fans. It's going to be really, really great. So, yeah, no doubt, man. I it's going to be a blast. Eric Sutherland said, "Appreciate you also, Clayton, for putting up with my nonsense." <laughs> Eric, you have no idea. Your nonsense is one of the reasons I show up every day, buddy. I'm just <laughs> I can't put most of it up on the screen, but believe me, we're always watching. And I know you've entered the chat when I see Jacob and Tim start giggling. I'm like, what did Eric <laughs> say in the chat? <laughs> it's pretty much the gist of it the majority of the time. Uh, let's see here. Jam says, Clayton, are you gonna break down the two championship games in the Super Bowl? Ooh, should we do chalk talk for the championship games in the Super Bowl? Would that be worth doing, you think? It just hurts. It hurts me so bad. Yeah, I I don't care about any of the other players or teams anymore. I want to. <laughs> Sorry, Jam. Jacob said you can shove it. <laughs> I, you guys want? I just don't think they want other teams' content. I don't. Uh, I understand. It, it maybe maybe I can find the time to maybe I can find the time to do it as an extra, and it won't cut into what we do. You know, maybe just five plays a game or something like that. Just I think it is important to understand the best teams in the league. What are they doing? You know what I mean? Because the, the league is so cyclical, for sure. So um, I think it's a good idea, though. We will do some chalk talk from past games. That's going to be fun. Like, yeah. imagine the 96 NFC Championship game, something like that, and go back and see some of the old, you know, what the what the teams were doing way back in the day. Could you imagine doing an ISPO chalk talk? Bruh. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like, seriously. I might, I might have to do that. I might have to pull that. That would be cool. Real cool. Yeah. Let's see here. Greg Rice in the chat says, PTA Noob, found you guys after midseason. Hey, glad you're here, man. Glad you're here, buddy. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us for sure. Let's get out of here before I get divorced. Seth Ruder, thank you so much for the super chat, man. You are absolutely awesome. I hope we hit on a, a lot of the chat tonight for you guys. I don't want it to just be limited to super chat, but you got to understand too, guys, it's hard to get to all the comments. And I definitely, people who support the stream like that, I want to make sure we're reading those because, you know, it is what's going to kind of keep this thing going too, right? Um, as we continue to try to pay for this NASA PC down here. But um, we're getting there. We're getting there. So um, it'll be a nice little loss if this is uh, put up as a business issue. <laughs> anyway, anybody who's a business owner right now, look, they're, right now they're shaking their head going, got to gotta count the losses. You got to. Absolutely. You'll be on the streets. So with that being said, did PFF. I love it. Margin crawl. Did PFF grade the ice ball? I can't tell if that's serious or not. No, I, don't <laughs> I don't think they did. Still uh, back. If they did, the grounds crew got a definitely got a uh, a negative <laughs> 23.4 on that right there. So, yeah. All right. We're out of here. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back tomorrow morning for a good morning Lambo. Uh, we'll break down some uh, some more stuff here going into the offseason. I'm sure we'll find something real quick. It doesn't take me 10 minutes to look up and go, 
I wonder how, oh yeah, that was a problem this year. Let's, let's highlight that. So, uh, and again, we're going to continue to build the draft board too. So, uh, what are you laughing at? Go ahead, Jacob. Paul and F him. I swear, dude, those guys, you could just put all their back and forth into a book of like quips back and forth. Oh yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Good God Almighty. All right, we're out of here. It's off the rails. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go pack go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. You get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out. He cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here. And try to run this play in the alley. 